The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is most fun I've had since I've been in Dallas. I mean, just to be in the meeting room again with the coaches full time. Um, you know, we've been getting you know just to go you know eight to eleven thirty and, and, and break, and it's you've been talking nothing but you know skiing. You know, I, I haven't had that, so um, so that that part's different. We all can use a new voice. You know, we all can use a, a sense of motivation and challenge and so forth. Uh, this is a new challenge for him. Uh, these are his, his words. He's very excited about it. Um, and, you know, I, I just think like anything, he's he's had a chance uh, to, to go from the different variations of the offense that was in place. He's getting ready to take another, you know, turn as far as the variation of, of, of what we're getting ready to do. Uh, we're going to build it off of what, you know, he has established. You know, I, I, you know, it, my decision to stay with with his concepts and so forth is still intact because I wouldn't have did what I did in 2020 if I still didn't believe in him. And we obviously as an organization, myself included, uh, feel very strongly about him as our future. And uh, we will definitely build this thing around him. Mike McCarthy, Cowboys coach and now play caller with Kellen Moore being fired. You know, it's funny, as the season ended, and there was talk about McCarthy's job security. The argument was, well, the team's been 12-5 and five for two consecutive years. Why would you change your head coach? And then how many assistant coaches got thrown overboard? I mean, it was Kellen Moore out, defensive guys out, running backs coach Skip Pete out. I mean, major changes to the coaching staff. So the argument that applied to McCarthy apparently didn't apply as well to the rest of the staff. Three years in, major surgery as he retools the team. And maybe that's really what it comes down to. He's done well enough that he was able to exert a little pressure on ownership to maybe do some of the things he wanted to do all along. It sounds like he wanted to call plays all along, 
but the Joneses wanted Kellen Moore, the guy that it felt like they were trying to develop. They're always looking for their Tom Landry. Yeah, right. Jason like Garrett he was going to be, be their Tom yeah, Landry. This then Kellen like Moore is going to yeah. be their Tom Landry. Right, right. And now, 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 Kellen Moore got the Tom Landry treatment. Yeah, eventually. right. Yeah, the treatment. Uh, the same the treatment gave that they gave Tom Landry all the way through the door. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Exactly. You're right. Uh, it's funny, but but uh, McCarthy. Yeah, I, you know. Again, I, I think you could also look at it. Hey, twelve and five. Sure, two years in a row disappointing offensive performances two years in a row in the playoff game. You know, that, that's the first thing. And I know they had that Buccaneers game this year and Dak played great, but come on, you know, the Buccaneers were a shell of what we really thought they were or what they could be or anything like that. I mean, it was one of the weaker division winners we've seen in football over the last few years, right? I don't think I'm wrong to say that. So then you go to 49ers, Dak lays an egg. You know, last year, 2022 season, they played the 49ers at home. You know, their offense, they were down. They had to kind of come back at the end. There was those issues with the whole clock management there. So, yeah, McCarthy wants uh, things done the way he wants. And I'm interested to see what he does here and how he plays it. You know, I I think you and I both – I know I was a little outspoken at the end of his time in Green Bay because I thought his offense was a little stale. You know, it's got answers – and it's it's schematically sound in a lot of ways, and it's, he's McCarthy's teams are always tough and physical. But you remember at that time, I was always like, man, what are they going to call another slant with Aaron Rodgers and ask him to jam it in there, you know, or just Aaron make an unbelievable throw? So I'd like to see how he's evolved here, you know, the last few years and his year off to see what new tricks he might have in the offense and what he took from Kellen Moore and kind of how he infuses this. But you bring Brian Schottenheimer in. I got to think, you know, running the football is the number one thing he wants done because Schottenheimer, that's his his golden ticket. He is one of the better run game O coordinators and designers, you know, over the last few years that I've seen. And it just seems like they kind of want to go that way. Um, And, you know, here's the reality. That's what McCarthy said yesterday. Kellamore wants to light the scoreboard up. I think we all would like to see the scoreboard lit up for any team. We like points. McCarthy says, I want to run the damn ball. And that, that becomes a complicated statement when you've got Ezekiel Elliott with a contract that needs to be reconfigured or else. Mm-hmm. And you've got Tony Pollard recovering from a broken ankle and heading for free agency and likely the franchise tag. Yeah, you got to run the ball with somebody. And you also got to have that great offensive line. I mean, if you have the great offensive line, you can find guys who become your next Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard because you're blocking for him and making huge openings through which he can gain yardage so it's easier said than done right and uh uh but it's just uh, you know again it it just it's working see they're caught in this conundrum in dallas where they've deluded themselves on one hand to think they're exactly where they need to be you know but we you know maybe we get another shot at the 49ers we can beat them you know we're, we're 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 right on the right track but then they make all these changes like you're either happy with where you are or you aren't. And this whole thing has felt like a half measure by the Cowboys to try to change without dramatically changing. In the year, the Jerry Jones could have made a run at Sean Payton. This was the time. And they've been linked for a long time. And if he was ever going to do it, it was now. And I think that ship has sailed forever uh, as it relates to Jerry and Sean Payton. I don't know. Maybe there'll be Steven and Sean Payton at some point down the road, well down the road. But um, it's just a weird vibe from the organization yeah. right now, Chris. Yeah. I, I can't figure out whether they're happy with where they are 
or they're not happy. And this is either taken to the next level or this is just rearranging the deck chairs. I can't tell what it is. Yeah, well, I think they're hopeful it's taking to the next level. I think McCarthy probably sold it to them as I'll take it to the next level and play a style of football more that I want to play that I think is appropriate with this football team. You know, that's where I think it could but be. But now his ass is on the line. It is. That's is, the thing. No if doubt. That's the case. Yeah. His, he's written the check. Well, maybe that's part of the reason why they said it too. All right, let's see him put up or shut up, and then maybe we got to move on. But you're right. I don't think – you know, you always talk about teams that are happy being relevant. You know, the Cowboys are relevant even when they're not, and and I think they're probably sick of being just relevant too. So, yeah, they're in limbo. They want a damn Super Bowl. And it's like we talked about with Arthur Blank in the first segment, and Jerry's getting up there. He, he's feeling it. He wants he wants one here. So, you know, it just it gets – I get the feel of, um, hey, they want to play maybe a little bit more through their defense, control the clock, do that, you know – maybe take some off of Dak Prescott from that way. And that's what I'm excited to see. Because when you had Aaron Rodgers, I think McCarthy wanted to run and do more of that. But he was like, damn, it's Aaron Rodgers. So let me just throw more. But maybe this is going to be more of what he likes. And, you know, Dak Prescott is not that. And we saw this year, Dak was not a great year, right? He's certainly not a guy right now that you would look at and go, oh, well, let's just open the field up and let him be Burrow or Allen or Mahomes, and we'll just win the game with him throwing lasers and awesome decisions all over the field. So uh, they're going to take a different approach, it seems like. I'll be interested to see how it works out, but you're right. McCarthy's going to have, you know, definitely more of a spotlight on him, and, you know, that's either going to be a a good thing for him or it's going to be a thing that's going to maybe make them say, okay, maybe we need to move on to something else here eventually. It is funny, too. Uh, you know, we're there for two days, and we're set up. If if you're in the room, you get a full appreciation of how it works. I was explaining to my wife the setup last night. They got the podiums all down one side, at which the various coaches and general managers and prospects speak. And then on the other side of the room, we had our setup. Next to us, there was an NFL Network setup that they just had for Tuesday. It was shut down by Wednesday. CBS was next to that. Then there was another NFL Network setup, and then Sirius was down there. So you can literally do the car wash. You can go through the whole thing. And on Tuesday, like, I was doing the math last night. Like, we had a shitload of people. We did an eight-hour show. It's (laughs) like nonstop. I mean, it was nonstop. I think we had more than 20 in one day. Right. Uh, And then some of them made it to the show yesterday because we just kept going. After we went off air, we still were doing interviews. Zach Taylor and Howie Roseman. So it's – and, and I say all that because, and I don't want to go too deep into the sausage-making process, but it is kind of fascinating to me. When a coach is just brand new and hired, and they're trying to, like, create this vibe, oh, hey, yeah, bring him, oh, well, yeah, well, we'll bring him over, we'll bring him over, you know, bring up a new coach, everything's new, everything's great. When you got three years in and you've started to create a resume and there's some stuff that people are asking questions about, maybe some criticism, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any availability. Yeah, okay, right. Um, okay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because it just further underscores what we've known all along. They listen to everything. And if they hear things they don't like, there's two ways they can deal with it. They can either lean into it and engage us and talk to us and maybe try to win us over. Yeah. Right. Or they can ignore us. They can act like, uh, the hell with you guys. We don't like what you said about us. And that's fine. That's your prerogative. It's your choice. Yeah. It's just funny because when you see the guys there, and it's time to do the car wash. And I don't think McCarthy did anything. It's not like it was just specific to us. But, you know, he's 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 feeling the heat. Like I said, he's written the check. He's done enough where he was able to assert himself with the team. 
get the Joneses to agree, and now he's got to prove it. And if he doesn't, he's going to be gone maybe as soon as after this year, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy to say that. Well, you know, we'll see. It's, again, it's a team that's got a lot of talent. I, don't, I mean, they're, they're not going anywhere. We know that. But, yeah, style of play, how they look in the playoffs. Yeah, the, the things we described with the Jones, Jones family, their antsiness, you know. I mean, even it's crazy to say, but, yeah, they're, they're just they're one of those teams or one of the owners that I could see going, oh, damn, we lost in the wild card game again. I can't take it. We're going to fire you. Even though I don't even know if that, that would be right. It wouldn't be right. You know, McCarthy has done some very good things there. I don't want that to be taken for granted. I got a lot of respect for what he's done. I've questioned his past game offense before. So, you know, that's probably part of the reason he doesn't want to come talk to you or me. Between you getting on his clock management and me talking about his pass offense in the past, he's probably like, the hell with those two. I don't want to ever talk to them. <laughs> well, and it wasn't just clock management. It's two things. Number one, it's the ridiculous play at the end of the playoff game last year right. where they poorly executed because they poorly planned for the umpire transporting, teleporting like in Star Trek through two humans to get to the ball so he could touch it and they could clock it. And then this year, whatever the hell it was they were doing, yeah, maybe that's why he didn't want to come on. Maybe he knew first question was going to be, walk, let's, let's draw up what that play was supposed to be <laughs> at the end of the – four. I mean, what was going on there? What was Cavante Turpin supposed to do? And we had fun with C.D. Lamb about it. Yeah, he it. was what great. Do? What do you want him to do? That's what well, that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> he was yeah. great about it. But it sure didn't right. play out that way. Yeah. Um, but between that and the whole, hey, you know, they should fire Mike McCarthy and hire Sean Payton, that probably explains why. Uh, you, you think? Didn't, didn't stop <laughs> visit. Uh. With us, let's take a break. Some more quick hit news out of the scouting combine when PFT Live continues right after this. I've answered two questions about that. I'm sorry I'm going to not talk about that one, but, uh, you know, I've kind of moved on from that. But uh, just uh, as always, guys, when you're the, the leader of a unit or the leader of a team, Everything that goes on on that field is my responsibility. And, you know, obviously them scoring what they scored, how the second half went, I didn't do a good enough job. Jonathan Gannon, now the Cardinals head coach, was the Eagles defensive coordinator in Super Bowl 57. C.J. Gardner-Johnson tweeted and then deleted, you ain't put us in position to make plays. That's what one of the key members of the Take the Cardinals off the free agent signing for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think he's going to Arizona. Yeah. Uh, maybe why I deleted the tweet. We at least want some leverage. Yeah, right. we, we at least want a phone call from the Cardinals. Now there went the phone call from the Cardinals. And Look, Gannon didn't talk to reporters after Super Bowl 57. I don't yeah. think coordinators are required to. But, you know... He, he he clearly doesn't want to talk about it now. He wants to move forward in his new job. But there, there still are lingering questions about the deployment of the defense, the inability of the defense to continue what it started in that game. They just couldn't stop the Chiefs in the second half, period. Right. You know, I mean, it wasn't the best look, you know, after the game. And I know he wasn't required to. But, yeah, that's one of those where, you know, you got to kind of go, okay, this is one where I, I probably need to speak on behalf of the team and the city and – you know, take it on the chin and explain it a little bit. That's a tough situation. Um, it is. But, you know, here's my other thing, too, with this game, right? Diving back into this a little bit. This is what I would say a little. One, you know, is, is it that crazy? Really? 
that Patrick Mahomes came back from a 10-point, like, down 10? Have we not seen that before? Is he not the greatest quarterback ever to be down by 10? I mean, like, when we broke down this game, Mike, we never thought, like, we weren't like, oh, we were never going, whoa, Philly's defense is just going to smash the Chiefs' offense. We always knew there was a possibility with the Chiefs' offense and them to do this. Did I expect 38 points? No. You know? Again, to me, yes, it wasn't their best defensive performance, but you're talking about you're playing maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of football with a great offensive mind and Andy Reid and Biennemi and then the offensive line they had. You know, I the, to me, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, he's getting a little more heat than he should. You know, when we broke down the big moments of the game, to me it was more of the offense. The offense was the, t- the part of the team that was supposed to dominate the Kansas City defense. They were the number one offense in football, the number two offense in football, really probably number one if they didn't have to sit out some fourth quarters and didn't even play because they were dominating teams. They were the ones that dropped the ball here. They were the ones that settled for the field goal before the half. They were the ones that fumbled and let a touchdown up for the other team. They were the ones that went three and out in the second half against a not top ten defense in football. And then only settled for a field goal on a 17-point drive. So that's where I don't love the Jonathan Gannon thing. Like, did we really think the Eagles were just going to shut out Patrick Mahomes? Three years ago, the 49ers defense was better than this Eagles defense, and he was down by 10 and seven minutes left, and he scored 20 points in six minutes against the best pass defense we had seen in the last 15 or 20 years. So that's where... I don't love the total criticism of Jonathan Gannon, everybody just putting it on that. I don't know if I'm crazy to think that or what, but that's just not that's just my opinion. I think you're right, and it circles back to something we've been discussing. Fourth and six, up three, the right. moment where they, they, they kicked the field goal and A.J. Brown said, uh-oh, we're going to lose this game now. We're only up six points, and we're giving it back to Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. They plays, knew. They were like, wait, our touchdown. defense? Right, right. And, and hey, remember how strident Nick Sirianni was about fourth and one, fourth and three, fourth and three, 32. down by one, down one, 1033 to play 32 out of 32 coaches will punt there. That's what he said. And we talked to three coaches about it. I think at least three. Yeah. I don't think it came up with Reich. We didn't have time to mention it with Reich. Right. I can't remember. No, we didn't. But we do did with go Reich. with three, three or coaches. four and three of them. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. It was Brandon uh, Staley. Right. And uh, one other, maybe it was Reich. I don't know. No, but it wasn't Reich. There was somebody else. We're and missing. they, and they, but Doug they, they Peterson. All created, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. They all created a vibe as they talked it through. That it wasn't a no-brainer. I'm going to punt there. Right. As they talked it through, you could see that they could potentially convince themselves to go for it in that situation. Yeah. Uh, and and especially as you you know you're dealing with the Chiefs and and the, they they woke up the first drive of the second half. Uh, they woke up the second drive of the second half. You're down one point to them, and you're going to give them the ball back when they have rediscovered their mojo. Forget about special teams because that's ultimately what failed the Eagles in that spot. You're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter whether it's a fair catch or whether it's a return down to the five-yard line. You're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes down one, and uh, I, I didn't agree with it at the time. I don't agree with it now, and I definitely don't agree that 32 out of 32 coaches would have done the same thing in that situation, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we're hearing that, and I think, you know, the, the point— And it got- puts it back to Gannon. Like you said, it puts more emphasis on Gannon when maybe it should at least be spread around. I, exactly. What happened after that? I mean, it, his defense was not on the field when, when Kadarius Tony was running down the sideline. That was the pun return. You know, so that's where I just don't love— 
you know, we're going to blame this guy. I want to go away. There's a lot of other things to blame, in my opinion, before I'd go there. I, I know that that's where we want to go. But, yeah, again, I never at any point, we talked about the lead up to that game. The only thing we were worried about more than anything was will the Philadelphia offense just steamroll the Kansas City defense? We were spot on there. And Kansas City came up with a great game plan and went all out to stop, run, and do some crazy stuff, and they made it happen. So that's where I don't love how the Philadelphia fan base and some of the – everybody's putting it on Jonathan Gannon. Again, I thought I, – I, I, why wouldn't you think that? Mahomes is the number one offense in football with Mahomes? You thought that they were just going to shut them out? No, that game was there to be had because that offense was supposed to dominate Kansas City's defense and played really well but just didn't come through in some big moments and totally dominate. And that's where I think it's a little misguided on Jonathan Gannon. We talked earlier about some of the top 10 teams that could be thinking about Derek Carr, specifically the Panthers at nine. The Jets don't have a top 10 pick, but they are clearly in the mix for him. Here's general manager Joe Douglas talking about his impressions of the former Raiders quarterback. Obviously, you guys have seen reports about the – us bringing Derek Carr in about a week and a half ago. Um, I can tell you that was a fantastic visit. Uh, we really enjoyed spending time with him. Um, obviously, he's the, he's the only quarterback that I can I can really shed any light on for you guys uh, since he's the only quarterback that's that's a free agent. But uh, you know, I can say that uh, he left a he left a strong impression with everybody. And so, um, obviously, we're going to be exploring the, the veteran quarterback market this off season, and we're going to look at every available option. We feel like. When it's time to make the right decision, whenever they're process, we're going to make the best decision for the Jets. First of all, he could have talked about Carson Wentz because he's available, but it tells you that even or though Jimmy they're looking at every veteran quarterback, yeah, but, but no, he's not a free agent yet. He's still oh, not he's a free still, you're agent right, you're right. Yet. Wentz has been cut by yes, the commanders. I, That's the key. I forgot. If you're cut right. by the team, right. then you can be discussed publicly. But, you know, if, if you're Zach Wilson and you're hearing this, and I know Zach Wilson at one point was asked about it, he said, well, I'll make, I'll make every practice hell on the veteran if they bring one in or words to that effect. But it's still far from the endorsement that you would expect if they're hoping to at some – because it's, it's just like a weird spot. Like, hey, veteran, we want you to come in. Zach Wilson's still our guy long term, but we need somebody for now. And I, I, it's just a – Nah. I, I, can, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know you don't buy how it. to lure somebody into that. Right. Yeah. I, I, because so which, I, what part don't you buy? I don't buy that the Zach Wilson's the long-term thing right now. I don't buy that. You know, I think they're going, they're kind of trying to say that, and they're, you know, oh, we want to keep, you know, he's still here and we drafted him, and, you know, if this veteran quarterback gets hurt, then we still want Zach to feel like, hey, we got confidence in him and all that type of stuff, right? And in case a team maybe wants to trade for him, it keeps the positive vibes going there a little bit as well, but – no, from from the way they're talking, their actions, no, Zach Wilson's going on the back burner, and whoever comes into town, and if he plays well, then he's done. See ya. It's just, you know, not that he's like, see ya out the door, but he's not going to be the guy. You know, what, what, like, what, what are they going to do? Sign Derek Carr, he has two good years, and they go, hey, Derek, you know, we said Zach was the future, so uh, you had two good years, we've gone to the playoffs, we're going to cut you now and go back to Zach, right? Come on, give me, give me a break there. So they're, they're looking to move on and just – keeping things in good graces with Zach, saving face for themselves, trade possibilities, keep his confidence up, all those type of things. At least that's how I look at it. I just hope the truth isn't that they don't want to 
cut Zach Wilson, give him the ultimate wake-up call for his own good, and then he goes somewhere else, and he becomes the guy somewhere else that he wasn't with the Jets. The old Chris Carter thing. Sure. He needed a wake-up call. The Eagles cut him. He becomes a Hall of Famer somewhere else. I hope they're not squatting on Zach Wilson simply because they don't want him to figure it out somewhere else. If he's ever going to figure it out anywhere, it's going to be here, and we're just going to sit on him while he maybe figures it out, but... It's going to take that indignity of being dumped by the Jets to really wake him up, but they don't want to do it because they don't want to look bad. They don't want another Geno Smith situation. I I hope that's not the explanation um, because future rookie quarterbacks who may get drafted by the Jets may be paying attention to how they treat Zach Wilson on the way out. Yeah, well, I, I think that's that's true. You know, I, I don't I don't doubt that, and yeah, I, I hope that's not the case either. Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I I don't know what to expect with that whole Zach Wilson situation. I really don't. You know, I'm 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 surprised he's taken it so well to a degree, right? We know there's some things about his game that he needs to f- to fix, but damn, I've seen some things about his game where I went, I don't know. That those are some special things there that I wouldn't have given up on. And you know, you look at the three starting quarterbacks that played last year. He's the only one with a winning record. Everybody always telling me about wins and losses, and then when it doesn't fit their narrative, they go, "Oh, I don't care about wins and losses. Look at that, right?" I know he said no, and it just ended the world for him. No, and that ended the world. It's crazy that one word ended it all for him and a fan base and an organization and all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't agree how they handled that. We'll see where it's going to go. But yeah, it's very odd. For, for anybody out there who's ever managed employees, Zach Wilson is the most frustrating employee. He is the guy that does the hardest part of the job right, right. Effortless, effortlessly right. and then can't do the easy stuff, trips over the easy stuff, can do the high-end stuff, can't count on him to do the easy stuff. I think that's where the Jets are with him. Yeah, right. I, I, I think so, too. There's, there's some – they got to continue to develop. He got a little – you know, as we discussed during the year, I think a little too loose with his mechanics and, you know, throwing sidearm, cockeyed feet, and like we talked about, he's got to be more of a robot and a machine. you got to be in the machine first, and then you can start doing Mahomes and Allen stuff. But you got to do that first. Yeah, so Mahomes is the machine first. Right. Mahomes isn't running around crazy right out of the the snap. That's right. the the panic mode that he. That's how he. That's how he explained it to me after exactly. the Texans win this year. Panic mode. Before panic mode, you are. RoboCop. Right. Then you become panic mode. Right. When RoboCop doesn't work. And even he fell into that trap a little bit, right? Just two years ago, there was that, you know, they were sitting there, what, three and three in 2022? You know, and we were talking about, man, he's not playing his best. He's fading in the pocket. He's looking for big plays too much. He's too aggressive. There's underneath completions to be had, right? So he fell in that trap. But this year, he got back into like total robot mode. And you saw what that was there. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the future lies there. Either way, you, he's there. He's He is got talent. You hope maybe, hey, we bring in a veteran quarterback. He can continue to improve his game. And if something happens to that veteran quarterback, maybe Zach Wilson could come in and take the reins and take over and show us you know, all the things he can really offer in a positive way to a football team. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't. I don't, of course, don't envision him starting and and having that chance until whoever this veteran quarterback is gets hurt or or you know just has plays horrible and then he gets a chance. Up next, the NFL Players Association has released report cards for every team. The results were interesting, and Vikings fans, you finally won something. Yeah, baby. 
take a deeper dive. <laughs> One PFT. I thought you were going to blow the horn. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Whether you're shopping for grads, getting an early gift for dad, or just looking for a little something new or used for your shelf, you'll find it at HPB. And you'll get almost everything for an extra 20% off during the big sale at Half Price Books this Memorial Day weekend. Saturday, May 25th through Monday, May 27th. Save big in-store at your local Half Price Books and at HPB.com. Offer cannot be combined with other coupons. Exclusions apply. To learn more, visit HPB.com. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. So yesterday, the NFL Players Association released team report cards. They ranked the various organizations based on a variety of factors, how they treat their players, the football facilities. The Vikings were first. Hooray, you don't get a trophy for it, though. No Lombardi trophy for being first in this competition. Dolphins and Raiders second and third, and they went all the way down. And at the bottom, uh, what a shock, the Washington Commanders. And and some of the some of the stuff, and I want to focus on the Cardinals, Chris. Yeah, because there was a time when, and I think it was Mike Silver when he was with SI, he wrote a story about the Cardinals, and it was clear that they are cheap. And this was at the time. Sure. When Robert Griffith, remember him, safety signed their free agent contract, right. His signing bonus check, they sent it to him via FedEx. They deducted from the signing bonus check the cost of the FedEx that they sent him. It's hilarious. hilarious. The signing bonus check in. And in that same article, Silver wrote that on the players' off days, they put a padlock on the Gatorade cooler in the facility. Hilarious. So, uh, uh, and, and, and people since then have said, well, they've changed. Well, they've changed. I mean, one of the things that, that uh, the Cardinals ranked last at is quality of food. If players would like dinner, it will be boxed up for them. But players reported that the team will charge you via payroll deduction. This is apparently the only club that does this. It's when I saw that yesterday, I mean, this is, we could have devoted the whole show to all the different things the players voted on <laughs> and things. I mean, cause it really is a pretty cool report. You know, people should check this out. It'd give you a good feel for organizations and things like that. But that was by far the most shocking thing I saw on there. I mean, beyond shocking. I, I, I just, again, you know, it goes back to our conversation. The owner's sitting on a gold toilet and a private plane and a jet and, you know, the, the, the yacht and seven houses. But we're going to 
penny pinch over the penny pinch, excuse me, over yeah, I, yeah there Damn. we go. <laughs> uh, penny pinch over you know dinner. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? I, I would like, that's the kind of thing where like, I, I mean, damn, you had the right people in the rock room. They might've been like, Hey, you know, at four 30, we're all out of here, guys. Let's rally the team. Tell the owner we're out of here at four 30 because we're going to go get dinner somewhere else here in a little bit or five o'clock. I mean, are you, that, that's just crazy. It's disrespectful. It makes no sense. Uh, and it just creates a, a negative thought in your organization that you don't want hovering over it. How about this, too? Their grade in Arizona for the weight room, F minus. Wow. <laughs> Not just F, F minus. Players describe it as a health and safety risk just to walk through the weight room. The flooring is nearly a unanimous complaint. The floors are uneven. The floorboards are peeling up. Good Lord. That's like inexcusable. Cardinals. Inexcusable. Good this Lord. Day age, right? I mean, but my, hey, they got an A for their strength coaches. But, well, but look at the rest of the report card. Yes, yeah. Strength coaches is funny. If you look it up, just about everybody's report card got A's, right? Strength coaches have got unbelievable ability to, you know, uh, communicate and, and make players feel like, hey, I'm here for you and I'm going to be your buddy and we're going to get you healthy and strong, right? But some of that stuff right there, it's inexcusable. I mean,. Uh, again, you know, we see some of the top organizations and what they got in weight rooms. I mean, I, I go in there sometimes and go, is this a weight room or is this a spaceship? Like, holy cow, this is amazing. You know, and again, where the league is at, it's the most powerful league in the world. Yeah, that's that's inexcusable to have some of those things here in 2023. So, yeah, they got to make some adjustments there, without a doubt. You're right. They've always had that reputation, uh, but this is going to fan the flames of that and, and open some people's eyes. This all came out yesterday. We were tied up with our show and then traveling home. I'm going to do a deeper dive and write some stuff about this at PFT today. A couple of other highlights, though. The Jaguars dealt with a rodent problem for three to four weeks during the season. (laughs) It doesn't include the PS. PS, still better than having Urban Meyer as head coach. I'm kidding. Uh, But... But rodent problem, not good. And uh, it, it, it all comes down to how much you value the players. It's one thing to give them the big check because you have to. You have a salary cap. You have to spend the money on the players. Some teams do it reluctantly. And you see how much they truly care about these people as human beings by how they treat them in every other way that isn't covered by the salary cap. And here's how this is a difference maker as free agency approaches. Some of these teams are going to have to pay more to attract guys yes. to their facility. Yes. The Vikings will win all ties. When it, when it's time to sign a free agent, the Vikings are going to win all ties. And somebody else is going to have to burn up more cap space, pay more money to get a guy to go there instead of Minnesota. Because this is the ultimate tiebreaker now for the Vikings and these other teams at the top. You got good facilities, good treatment of your players, that, if it's close, is going to get the player to pick a team like the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Raiders at the top of the stack. Yeah, and then they talk to other players and they go, oh, man, this organization, they got love for the players, man. They treat us right. They got respect for us. They're willing to, hey, if we say there's a problem, they fix it. I bet they fix this stuff in Jacksonville, though. Doug Peterson has been around the block. He knows how important this type of stuff is there, and I think they are fixing it. When I was down there for the playoff game, there's a lot of – construction and things going around going on around their facility 
Uh, but the, yeah, that's that's a bad look. Hey, at the end of the day, the players just want to feel respected, you know, and 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 not only just the respect of. You know, again, we know what the franchise are worth. We know what these franchises are all raking in to a degree. They're all north of four hundred million dollars a year. It seems like you know. I know it might be give or take a little bit. Then the appreciation of the franchises. These are all franchises that are worth anywhere from three to what six billion dollars, basically. Okay, so yeah, and then you're a player, and you go, wait, I'm here every day for like six, seven months in a row, like. You know, that's where it goes a long way to be, hey, it's a nice plane or, hey, the facility's great, the, 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 the mess hall is really good. You know, there's the, those are things that, you're, like you're talking about, you know, put a team over the edge, make them feel more comfortable, get players to go there, create a culture of like, hey, this place likes me, they love me, and they treat us the right way. Let's go work for them because they're, they're giving us the respect, so we'll give you the respect to, to work really hard and go after it as well. So you're saying Doug Peterson will fix the rodent problem in Jacksonville. He won't just simply tell the players to regard them as pets. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I did. I've witnessed. I've witnessed the rodent problem as well. Right? Well, I played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back at the old facility, and I don't know, Mike, if you ever saw the old one buck place, but it was eye popping when I got there. Is they just won the Super Bowl, and I walked into the locker room and I was like, damn. My high school locker room might have been better than this. Ticket sales were in a trailer. There were rat traps in the corners, right? We would go in there some days, and there'd be a rat in the middle of the floor dead. The place was so toxic, he was like, damn, not even the rat can make it across the locker room. You know, <laughs> He was dead. There was, there was oh, like eight or nine uh, working showers. We would have lines when the team had like you know, 80, 90 players in the offseason. We'd have a line for the shower. I mean, that's crazy. And, yeah, it creates a, like, what the F is going on here type environment, right? They got that fixed. They got one of the best facilities ever now. But, uh, yeah, th those things go a long way. The hotel room, right, that's another thing that came up in these. You know, guys don't want to share a hotel room. You're a grown man, uh, 27 years old, 28, 30 years old. What? I got a roommate here? I want to be able to do what I want to do yeah, this the night baseball before a game. high school travel team. Exactly. Yeah. That's just like, come on. And then again, what? Because you're saving like a thousand dollars? Like what? That's nothing. So that that's where you know the NFL has to filter some of that stuff out. All right, let's take a break. When we return, significant decision finally issued. Thirteen months to the day after the filing of the Brian Flores discrimination lawsuit we have some clarity as to where and how the case will play out we'll tell you all about that next year on pft live yeah i hear him yeah i hear him yeah f him yeah i hear him hi you'll do the Vulcan death grip oh, on my get leg it. You're when I least get it. expect oh. it. Ah, oh, there's the Vulcan <laughs> death grip. I know, it's true, but I have this vision that Tom Brady walked out onto a dock somewhere and leaned over and pondered the ocean and finally decided, you know what, screw it, I'm done. And I don't know why they call it dispensary. I just call it a weed shop. <laughs> oh, he had two. I don't know who I'm imitating here. They know who we he is Cool Hand Luke and Polly Walnuts rolled into one. I'm irritated by 
the Pro Bowl. Everything. I like it. Yeah, I was starting. Yeah. All right. But, but. He's wise beyond his years there. Or uh, whoever the hell that saying is. Wise beyond his years. He's mature and wise beyond his years. You finally got it. There's being money left on the board across the table right now. I'll do what I want, as Cartman once said. I was giving the hot Italian sausage. Fall down, go boom. Down he goes and... (laughs) (laughs) Dumbass. Oh, that was the best of February. God, February's already gone. We're into March. It's already March 2nd. I didn't even holy realize. Holy crap. I didn't realize it was March 2nd we so either. I just looked at the, the date. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Holy. I, I'm not even we joking. Got, we got sucked Woo. into the combine vortex. No. And it's like, oh, February's become March. And we didn't even realize. I did not realize it was March until you just said that. I looked at my phone. and went, oh, my gosh. And then what do you think of that new Simsism there? You like that money on the board across the table there? <laughs> It was uh, was definitely a thing. (laughs) Definitely a thing. Just lean right into it and own it. Okay. Um, 13 months to the day. It was February 1, 2022. Same day Tom Brady retired. Tom Brady retires in the morning. And then that afternoon, Brian Flores files a landmark racial discrimination lawsuit. And at the time, the defendants were the NFL, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Broncos. Since then, he added the Texans because he believes he was passed over for the head coaching job in the 2022 cycle due to the fact that he had engaged in protected activity, pursuing and advancing his rights under the Civil Rights Act. He was joined by Ray Horton, who claims he was given a sham interview and passed over as head coach of the Titans, and also Steve Wilkes. He believes he was fired for reasons influenced in whole or in part by race by the Cardinals after one year. Basically, hired to come in and take the fall before they hire their longer-term head coach. So, the big fight, Chris, from the outset, because nothing's gone on in the case. The big fight for the last 13 months has been, will these claims be resolved in arbitration, presided over by the commissioner, which seems inherently unfair, and I call it the secret rig kangaroo court because... It is. Will they be resolved there or will they be resolved in open court? So after months of briefs and arguments and delays and yada, yada, we finally get a ruling yesterday. Judge Valerie Caproni decided some claims go to arbitration. Some claims will be resolved in court. Horton and Wilkes, arbitration. It's in their contracts with their teams. Wilkes worked for the Cardinals, got fired by the Cardinals. Says arbitration of any disputes, boom, arbitration. Horton was the Titans' defensive coordinator when he got passed over by the Titans. Simple, boom, arbitration. Flores' claim against the Dolphins, signed his contract, said arbitration of any disputes. Dolphins fired him, arbitration. The ones that will stay in court. Yeah, yeah. The claim against the Giants for, you know, sham interview. Claim against the Broncos for sham interview. Claim against the Texans for passing over. Brian Flores, those get resolved in a court of law, along with the associated claims against the NFL. So there will be two tracks here, arbitration, litigation. And I thought the NFL would appeal the ruling that some of these claims go to court. Got a statement from the league last night making it pretty clear they're going to defend the cases in arbitration and they're going to proceed. They're going to file a motion to dismiss the cases that are pending in litigation, which means they're not going to appeal the ruling. They're just going to attack the merits of the case. And if they fail there, then, you know, we, we rock it toward, we'll rock it very slowly and gradually. And maybe in three years, we'll have a trial in open court. 
and there'll be an arbitration proceeding. Here's the difference, though. Yeah. Arbitration, we're not going to know anything. Yeah. We're not going to hear anything unless right. somebody, somebody, you know, violates whatever order Roger Goodell says to tell everybody to shut the hell up. Court, there's going to be stuff that gets filed. There's going to be stuff that's in public view. That's where the NFL has a problem. If they don't get this case dismissed, they got a problem because there's going to be a lot of deposition transcripts and documents and other things we're going to be aware of. And we're going to all get a chance to inspect some of this evidence, maybe eventually, and come to our conclusions about how serious the NFL's problems may be. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I mean, what do you think about their their ability to dismiss these cases and the merits and what you see? I mean, you know, again, a guy that I don't know a lot about this type of stuff, there seems to be real merit to some of these things, especially when you get into the way Brian Flores explains some of the Giants and Broncos things and things we've heard and all that to where – I, you know, I'd have a hard time thinking the NFL can get something like that dismissed. Am I off base there? Your instincts are right. Here's the free legal education for the day. Yeah. A motion to dismiss that is filed at the outset of a case is very difficult to prevail upon. Basically, what you're saying is if everything in there is true, there is still no basis under the law for Brian Flores to prevail. You take everything he alleges factually as being 100% accurate, and you still say there's no way to get through the maze of legal principles and precedents to get to a point where the NFL would ever be found or the various teams would ever be found to be in the wrong. It's called a motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim. You, whatever you say, we'll say it's true. You still don't have any relief under the law. I think they're going to have a hard time with that, but especially as it relates to the claim against the Texans, because the argument's very simple. I filed my lawsuit. I was a candidate for the Texans job. I right. was one of three finalists. Right. And, and then, then you I went wasn't. completely off the board. <laughs> right. And hired Lovey Smith. Yeah. Like this bizarre move. It was me. It was Josh McCown. It was Jonathan Gannon. And then all of a sudden, Lovey Smith gets the job. What the hell's going on there? So I think that at a minimum, that one survives. And and then how it works is yeah. to take the legal education one step farther. They'll go through the discovery process, depositions, documents, et cetera. And then the NFL would file what's called a motion for summary judgment, where you say there's no need for a trial. There's no dispute that a jury needs to resolve here to determine who wins or loses. Here's all the evidence that's undisputed. The facts of the case. These are the facts of the case, and the facts are undisputed, as Kevin Bacon once said in A Few Good Men. If you can show the facts are undisputed, then the judge just issues a decision that way. That happens next, because this is all about avoiding a trial in open court. The right. NFL will do whatever it can, spend whatever it takes to avoid a trial in open court. So, all right, so I hear what you say on the Houston one. The other one that jumps out to me, just you know, real quick, and I know we got a, another segment here that we got to get to and all that, but like... The, the Giants one, you know, that's another interesting one just because, you know, again, if memory serves me correct, you know, the, the whole Bill Belichick texting and confusing who he was texting. Accidental te texted the wrong Brian. The wrong Brian, right. You know, that to one seems like there's enough merit there to, you know, be in a public court as well. But, uh, yeah, this is – this is a, it's rare to hear the NFL lose a battle like this, and that seemed like it was a win yesterday a little bit for Brian Flores and, and some of the other coaches involved in this. It was, but it was far short of what they were trying to get because right. the core claim, the Dolphins claim, that ends up in arbitration. And, and also it gets decided by Roger Goodell, the guy who presides over the entire league and who is hired and paid by the owners. It creates a bias that I think is impossible. He shouldn't, as I've said before, he shouldn't want 
to have to try to be fair in that setting. You can't be fair in that setting. But, but Chris, here's what will be interesting. How, and I know we have to break, but this is, this is fascinating. How much of the whole Tom Brady, Sean Payton to Miami shenanigans will be part of this discovery process uh-huh. as the case goes forward? Right. Because I think that, you know, people think the Brian Dayball accidental text from, Brian, uh, from Bill Belichick is why Flores filed the case. He filed it the same day Tom Brady retired. He blew up. As a practical matter, Tom Brady and Sean Payton in Miami. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah. But there will be litigation moving forward. It's going to take time, but maybe we'll find out some more about what really happened. We're going to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Oh, he was back at the scene of the crime at LaGuardia. Oh, God. The place where Chris Sims purchased a burger that hit the ground that he consumed that made him deathly ill at the Combine three years ago. There is the evidence. There he is. Did you buy a burger? No, I did not. It's just so funny how it worked out yesterday. Me and, you know, producer Matt Casey, they, they're doing the construction in this part of LaGuardia right now. So they they made you walk through the food court. And I'm walking there, and I go, oh, there it is, Matt. There it is. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, this is the exact spot. I dropped the damn burger. And he's like, oh, i got to take a picture of it. And I was like, all right, I'll pose. And, oh, man, yeah, that was, uh, brought back some bad memories right there. That's for sure. It was great on Tuesday in Indy when we started the show with the video I had never seen, the countdown clock of, of oh, you the ISO. with the whole – The whole, and then, yes, before Mount Vesuvius erupted into that trash can. And it's funny, I was having a hard time finding trash cans when we got there Tuesday because I'm thinking, just like they hide the trash cans from you in the studio so you don't pour your hot water in them before you fill your mug with coffee, maybe they were hiding the trash cans from us because of how you defiled the trash can three years ago. Okay, General managers, you would like to be this offseason. That is today's draft here on PFT Live. Chris, you're up. All right. Well, it's hard for me not to go to the guy right at the top of the draft and Ryan Poles, right? I mean, for two reasons. One, as we discussed to start the show, you, know, you, you don't need a quarterback, and there's a lot of damn teams in the top ten that do. All right? So that's the first thing you look at. So there's that. And then you add on the fact that, whoa, you got a ton of money to spend in the off season, and if I'm if I'm correct, I mean, yeah, they're they're by far and away as they sit right now the yes. team with the most cash to spend, right? So those two things alone, that is, I'd love to be in a room with Ryan Poles and hear the calls he's getting, and you know, the his ability to be able to spend money through free agency and all that. So he'll be my first pick, Mike. Ninety-eight million in cap space Woo. for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Um, look, I was going to sandbag on this one, but but I mean, I'm going to be literal. I mean, I want to be Brett Veach. I have Patrick Mahomes. I have uh, how many draft picks did he say? Had in the I think he's nine in, like the nine in the first three rounds, or somewhere in there, yeah. right? Something like I, that. I've I have a coach that that I know I can work with very well and go out and find talent to make us better. And I'm getting a Super Bowl ring by the time the off season is over. So yeah, I, I if I'm if I'm Picking which guys I want to actually be, I want to be Brett Veach right now. Yeah, I I, I agree. I am, I'm with you there. You know, they're they're kind of playing with house money. You know, they they really are, and that that's what's that's what's fun for them. And I can't remember if it was nine picks this year, or maybe it's nine picks total in the next 
two, three, you know, first three rounds of the next two years. But it, either way, it was a significant number where you just went, oh, whoa, wow. They got, hey. Yeah. But I also have the Mahomes factor that you pointed out. You're going to get to the point where free agents will take less. Right. This is the flip side of the NFLPA thing. Like, hey, it doesn't matter what the facilities are like. It doesn't matter how you treat it. I'm playing with Patrick Mahomes, and I may get a Super Bowl ring. Right. That's going to help you win ties for free agents as well. Yes, yes. Uh, exactly right. Well, I'm going to, like, piggyback off of what you're talking about right there, and I'm going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, the team with the best roster in football has two first-round picks. That's unbelievable. Now, I know they got some free agent problems and all that, but not enough to where you go, oh, man, that's going to be a totally different team and they're going to be in trouble next year. No, nowhere near that. So, man, Howie Roseman, as good as he's done in the draft and building that football team, they got blue chip players across the board. And now, damn, you got two more chances here to take a big cut and and see if you can get two more blue chip players and you can be good and one of the best teams in football for the next four, five, six years. Wow, it's just unbelievable how the stars have aligned and the moves they've made to to put themselves in the position. A lot of credit to them. I'll go Nick Casario, the Texans GM. They've got two picks, two and 12, and things like the expectations are as low as they can be. I got a new head coach that everybody's excited about in D'Amico Ryans. And that NFLPA report card, the Texans were up near the top five. So you got some factors working in your favor to try to turn this thing around. We'll take a break and do round three of the draft of the GM. You'd most like to be this offseason right after this. All right, here we are, final round. General manager, you'd want to be this offseason. Chris, you're up. I'm going to go to Seattle and John Schneider. Uh, and, uh, again, it's, it's, it's the two things, again, that I think we're, we're both looking at to go. Hey, it's, a, it's a common thing here. Multiple picks in the first round, money to spend in free agency. Pick number five, and as we discussed to start the show, in a spot where anybody outside the top five is going to look and go, damn, we need to maybe get, get there at five to get you know the third quarterback in the mix or whatever. So that's great. Pick number 20 to go along with that and the money to spend. I'd be pretty excited to be John Schneider. I look for them to trade down and down and down, acquire more lottery tickets, get more great players, coach them up, and quickly revamp and retool this team into a high-end contender. I think that is definitely going to happen. I'll go Chris Ballard as the last one, even though it's kind of a high-wire act. I kind of like the idea that I survived the storm. We have a coach. And now we just have to go get a quarterback. There's a challenge to that. You know, you have to go out there. This is it. This is the year you either secure your future in Indianapolis or you're done. And I think that's invigorating from Ballard's perspective. And, Chris, I think that's how he'll look at it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. You know, you know, he's he's one of the better GMs in football. There's no question. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the type of moves he makes. And there's some other teams with multiple picks in the first round, too. The Lions, you know, you got to be worried about them if you're a Vikings fan. That's it. We're done. I'll see you Friday. Chris, I'll see you Monday. See ya. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 